This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, David Shapiro here with an update. Sorry it's been a while. Um, I am doing much better. Thank you for asking and thanks for all the kind words. Um, Yeah, so a couple days ago I posted a video where I said like we're going to have AGI within 18 months and that caused a stir on in some corners of the internet. Um, But I wanted to share like why I believe that because maybe not everyone has seen the same information that I have. So first... Morgan Stanley research on NVIDIA. Um, this was really big on Reddit. And basically, why we are writing this, we have seen several reports that, in our view, incorrectly characterize the direct opportunity for NVIDIA, in particular the revenue from chat GPT inference. We think that GPT-5 is currently being trained on 25,000 GPUs or $225 million or so of NVIDIA hardware, and the inference costs are likely much lower than some of the numbers we have seen. Further reducing inference costs will be critical in resolving the cost of search debate from Cloud Titans. So basically, if ChatGPT becomes much, much cheaper, then it's actually going to be cheaper than search. Um, is, is kind of how I'm interpreting that. Now, this paper goes on to say that like the industry is pivoting. So rather than seeing this as a trendy new fad or a shiny new toy, they're saying, no, this actually has serious business implications, which people like I have been saying for years, but you know, the industry is catching up, especially when you see like how much revenue Google lost just with the introduction of, of chat GPT. Um, I like this. And we're not trying to be curmudgeons on the opportunity. <laughs> so anyways, Morgan Stanley, NVIDIA, and I've been I've been uh, in NVIDIA's corner for a while saying that, like, I think they're the underdog. They're the unsung hero here. So anyways, you look at the investment. And so this reminds me of the ramp up for solar. So 10 to 15 years ago, all the debates were like, oh, solar's not efficient. Solar isn't helpful. It's too expensive, blah, blah, blah. And then once you see the business investment going up, that's when you know you're at the inflection point. So AI is no longer just a bunch of us, you know, writing papers and tinkering. When you see the millions and in this case, a a quarter of a billion dollars being invested, 
that's when you know that things are changing. And so this reminds me of like the 2013 to 2015 uh, range, maybe actually even like 2017 range for solar, where it's like, actually, no, it makes financial sense. Um, but of course, everything with AI is exponentially faster. Uh, so NVIDIA is participating. They've got the hardware. They're building out the big computers, so on and so forth. The investment is there. So the improvement is coming. The exponential ramp up is coming. Now, that's great. Uh, one tool, let's take a quick break. And um, at, when I when I talked about uh, N8N, uh, Nathan or Naden, I'm not sure how people pronounce it, as well as Langchain, people were quick to point out Langflow, which is a graphical interface for Langchain. So this is this fills in a really big gap for Langchain, which is, okay, how do you see it? How, do, how are things cross-linked? So I wanted to share this, this tool. It's uh, github.com slash logspace-ai slash langflow. So you can just look up langflow and you'll find it. So this is a good good chaining tool, a nice graphical interface. This is exactly the direction that things are going. Um, Great, okay, so we've got the business investment. We've got people creating open source libraries. It's going, it's advancing. So I wanted to share this paper with you. Uh, MM React for, uh, what was it? Multimodal Reasoning and Action. So this basically makes use of the latest GPT where you've got vision and chat. Um, and it's like, it, it's kind of, it, it's exactly what you what you kind of expect. Um, but this page does a good job of giving you a bunch of different um, examples. And they're, uh, I think they're pre-recorded. Is it playing? It looks, okay, there it goes. Um, so you can check out this paper. Um, the full paper is here. And there's a live demo up on Hugging Face. So you can try different stuff and then talk about it, um, which is great. Like the fact that they're able to, to share this for free just as a demonstration is just a hint as to what's coming. Um, because imagine when this is commoditized, you can do it on your phone, right? Your phone's hardware will be powerful enough to run some of these models within a few years. Certainly if it's, uh, if it's offloaded to the cloud, it's powerful enough to do it now. Um, and then, uh, so when you stitch together the the rapidly decreasing cost of inference, these things are basically going to be free to use pretty soon. When you look at the fact that an open source framework like Langflow and and uh, and so on can allow pretty much anyone to create cognitive workflows, and all these things, it's like okay, yeah, like we're going to have really powerful machines soon. And so someone asked for clarification when I said, okay, well, what do you mean when you say AGI within 18 months, because nobody can agree on the definition. And if you watched the uh, Sam Altman, Lex Friedman interview, he ref- he refers, Sam Altman refers to AGI several times, but the definition seems to change. Because early in the interview, he talks about like, oh, you know, you put someone in front of GPT-4 or chat GPT-4, and what's the first thing that they do when, when and these are his words, when they interact with an AGI is they try and break it or tease it or whatever. And then later he says, oh, well, GPT-5, that's not even going to be AGI. So he keeps like equivocating and bouncing back and forth. I think that part of what's going on here is there's no good definition and because later in the conversation, they were talking about things that a chat model can't do. It's not autonomous, right? Um, but I'm glad you asked. Reflection came out. An autonomous agent with dynamic memory and, and self-reflection. Um, so between 
cognitive workflows and autonomy and the investment coming up in, into these models, we are far closer to fully autonomous agents than I think many people recognize. So the reflection stuff, I'm not going to do a full video on reflection. There's, there's other um, ones out there. But basically, this outperforms humans in, in, in a few tasks, and it forms a very, very basic kind of cognitive architecture loop. So query, action, environment, reward, reflect, and then repeat. So you just continuously iterate on something in a loop, and there you go. Uh, and also, for people who keep asking me what I think about, um, oh, what's his name, Ben Gertzel, I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right, but I read his seminal paper a couple years ago on general theory on general intelligence, and he never mentioned iteration or loops, at least not to the degree that you need to when you're talking about actual intelligence. So I personally don't think that he's done anything particularly relevant today. I'm not going to comment on his older work because obviously like, he's made a name for himself, so on and so forth. But I don't think that Ben has done anything really pertinent to cognitive architecture, which is the direction that things are going. Um, but yeah, so when, when MIT is doing research on cognitive architecture and autonomous designs, when Morgan Stanley and NVIDIA are working on investing literally hundreds of millions of dollars to drive down inference cost, and when open source uh, libraries are creating um, the rudiments of cognitive architectures, we are ramping up fast. And so someone asked what I meant, uh, again, kind of getting back to that, what did I mean by AGI within 18 months? I said in 18 months, any possible definition of AGI that you have will be satisfied. Um, so it's like, I don't care what your definition of AGI is unless it, like, there's still some people out there that like you ask them and it's like, oh, well, once AGI hits, like the skies will darken and nuclear weapons will rain down. And I'm like, that's not AGI. That's Ultron. <laughs> that's different. That's, that's a fantasy. Um, that's probably not going to happen. It could, if Skynet's going to happen, it will happen within 18 months. Um, but I don't think it's going to happen. Okay. So that's section one of the video talking about the news and everything out there. So now let me pivot and talk about the work that I've been doing. Um, so I've been making uh, extensive use of ChatGPT4 to accelerate my own research. Um, I've been working on a few things. Many of you are going to be familiar with my work on the heuristic imperatives, which is how do you create a fully autonomous machine that is safe and stable, ideally for all of eternity. Um, so this is this is this is probably one of my most important pieces of work, and I've put it into all of my books and a lot of other stuff. The TLDR of heuristic imperatives is it's like it's similar to Asimov's Three Laws of Robotics, but it is much much more broadly generalized, and it is also not um, androcentric or anthropocentric. And so basically, the three rules that if you embed them into your your autonomous AI systems. Uh, reduce suffering in the universe, increase prosperity in the universe, and increase understanding in the universe. This creates a very thoughtful machine, and it serves as a really good um, reinforcement learning mechanism, self-evaluation mechanism um, that results in a very thoughtful uh, machine. So that information is all available out here um, under uh, on my GitHub, Dave Shap slash Heuristic Imperatives. I've got it published as a Word doc and a PDF. So I started adopting a more scientific approach because, um, well, there's a reason that the scientific uh, paper format works. So if you want to come out here and read it, um, it's out there. It's totally free, of course. 
Um, oh, actually, that reminds me. I need to put a way to cite my work because um, you can cite GitHub repos. Um, but basically, this provides uh, quite, a, quite a bit. And one thing it, to point out is that this paper was almost written entirely word for word by ChatGPT4, um, meaning that all of the reasoning that it does was performed by ChatGPT4. And at the very end, um, I actually had it reflect on its own performance. Um, it looks like it's not going to load that much. Um, more pages. Oh, there we go. Examples. So anyways, uh, when you read this and you keep in mind that the, that the nuance of it, whoops, that the nuance of this was, uh, within the, within the capacity of chat GPT four, you will see that these models are already capable of very, very nuanced, empathetic and moral reasoning. And this is one thing that a lot of people complain about. They're like, oh, well, it doesn't truly understand anything. I always say that humans don't truly understand anything. So that's a frivolous argument. But um, that leads to another area of research, which I'll get into in a minute. Uh, but basically, keep in mind how nuanced this paper is. And keep in mind that ChatGPT wrote pretty much the entire thing. And I've also got the transcript of the conversation at the end. So if you want to read the whole transcript, please feel free to read the whole transcript and you can see um, where like we worked through the, the whole paper. Um, yeah, so that's it. So on the topic of uh, does the machine truly understand anything, that resulted in this uh, transcript, um, which I have yet to format this into a full um, uh, scientific paper. But basically, the, the, the TLDR here is that I call it the epistemic pragmatic orthogonality, which is that the epistemic truth of whether or not a machine truly understands anything is orthogonal or uncorrelated with how useful it is or objectively um, correct it is, right? So if you look, basically, it doesn't matter if the machine truly understands anything because, again, that's not really germane to its function as a machine. Um, and so this is, uh, it's a fancy term, but it basically says, okay, and there was, there was actually a great Reddit post where it's like, can we stop arguing over whether or not it's sentient or conscious or understands anything? That doesn't matter. Um, the, what matters is its, its physical, objective, measurable impact and it, whether it is objectively or measurably uh, correct or useful. So I call that the epistemic pragmatic orthogonality principle of artificial intelligence. Um, I've got it summarized here. Uh, so you can just read, this is the executive summary um, that I actually use ChatGPT to write. So again, a lot of the work that I'm doing is anchored by ChatGPT and the fact that ChatGPT was able to have a very nuanced conversation about its own understanding kind of tells you how smart these machines are. Um, yep, so that is that paper. Now moving on back to uh, some of the cognitive architecture stuff. Um, one thing that I'm working on is called Remo. So the Rolling Episodic Memory Organizer um, for Autonomous AI Systems. I initially called this HMCS, which is Hierarchical Memory Consolidation System. But that's a mouthful um, and it doesn't abide by the, uh, the current trend where you use an acronym that's easy to say. Right, so Remo, Rolling Episodic Memory Organizer. Much easier to say, much easier to remember. Um, basically what this does is, uh, it's also not done, so I need to add a caveat there. Um, I'm working through it here with ChatGPT4 where we're working on defining the problem, writing the code, so on and so forth. 
But basically what this does is rather than just using semantic search, because uh, a lot of folks have realized that yes, semantic search is really great because it allows you to search based on semantic similarity rather than just keywords, super powerful, super fast, uh, using stuff like Pinecone, still not good enough because it is not organized in the same way that a human memory is. So Remo, the entire part, point of Remo is to do two things. Um, the two primary goals is to maintain salience and coherence. So salient memories means that uh, what you're looking at is actually germane, actually relevant to the conversation that you're having, which can be more difficult if you just use semantic search. The other thing is coherence, which is uh, keeping the context of those memories um, basically in a coherent narrative. So if rather than just focusing on semantic search, the two uh, terms that I'm introducing are salience and coherence. And of course, this is rooted in um, temporal binding. So human memories are temporal and associative. So those four concepts, salience and coherence, are achieved with temporal and associative or semantic consolidation. And so what I mean by uh, temporal consolidation is you take clusters of memories that are temporally bounded or temporally nearby, and you summarize those. Um, so that gives you that gives you temporal consolidation, which allows you to take you, you can compress memories, uh, AI memories, you know, on a factor of five to one, uh, ten to one, twenty to one, depending on how concisely you summarize them. Um, so that gives you a lot of consolidation. Then you use uh, semantic modeling to create a, a semantic web or a cluster uh, um, from the semantic embeddings of those summaries. So it's a layered process. Um, actually, here, I think I can just show you here. Um, wait, no, I've got the paper here. Let me show you the Remo paper. Um, so I'm, this is a work in progress. It'll be published soon. Um, but let me show you the diagrams because this will just make it make much more sense. Oh, and ChatGPT can make diagrams too. You just ask it to output a mermaid um, diagram definition um, and it'll do it. So. Here's, here's the TLDR, the very simple version of the Remo framework. It's, it's got three layers. So there's the raw logs layer, which is just the chat logs back and forth. The temporal consolidation layer, which, as I just mentioned, um, allows you to compress uh, memories based on uh, temporal grouping. And then finally, the semantic consolidation layer, which uh, allows you to create and extract topics based on semantic similarity. So by, by having these two, these two layers that uh, have different kinds of consolidation, you end up with what I call temporally invariant recall. So the topics that we, that we extract um, are going to include all the time uh, from beginning to end that is relevant while also having benefited from temporal consolidation. Um, I'm going to come up with some better diagrams to, to, to demonstrate this, but basically it's like, actually, I can't think of a, of a, of a good way to ex, uh, describe it. Um, but anyway, so this paper is coming, um, and I'm, I'm actively experimenting with this on a newer version of Raven that uses a lot more implied cognition. So I talked about implied cognition in a previous episode, but basically implied cognition is when I, in using ChatGPT4, I realized that it is able to think through stuff 
without you having to design a more sophisticated cognitive architecture. So the cognitive architecture with GPT-4 as the cognitive engine actually becomes much simpler and you only have to focus, I don't wanna say only, but the focus shifts then to memory because once you have the correct memories, the, the model becomes much more intelligent. So that's up here under Remo Framework. Um, I'm working on a conversation with Raven to, to demonstrate this. Um, and, and that's that, the paper will be coming too. So that this is one big important piece of work. The other most important piece of work that I'm working on is the Atom Framework, which this paper is already done. Um, but, Atom Framework, here, let me just load it here, there we go. So. Um, Autonomous Task Orchestration Manager. So this is another kind of long-term memory for autonomous AI systems that's basically like the TLDR is, um, it's like Jira or Trello, but for machines with an API. Um, and so in this case, uh, you it, it's inspired by a lot of things. One, Agile. Two, On Task by David Bader. Um, Neuroscience for Dummies. Uh, Jira, Trello, a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, but basically, we talk about cognitive control. So I'm introducing a lot of neuroscience terms to the AI community. So cognitive control has to do with task selection, task switching, task decomposition, goal tracking, goal states, those sorts of things. Um, and then we talk about um, you know some of the inspiration, Agile, Jira, Trello. Um, and then, so it's like, okay, so what are the things that we need to talk or that we need to include in order for an AI system to be fully autonomous and and track tasks over time. So you need tools and tool definitions, you need resource management, and you need an agent model. All these are, are full are described later on or in greater depth. Um, then actually in my conversation with um, with ChatGPT, one of the things that it had said is like, okay, well, how do you prioritize stuff? And I was like, I'm glad you asked. Um, and so I shared my work with the heuristic imperatives and ChatGPT agreed like, oh yeah, this is a really great framework for prioritizing tasks. And, on, and measuring success. Okay, great, let's use that. Um, I'll, I think, let's see, is the uh, transcript posted? I don't know if I posted the transcript, I didn't. I'll post the full transcript of, of making the Atom framework um, in the repo. Um, so then we get into like, okay, so now that you have all the background, what do we talk about? So it's all about tasks and the data that goes into the task. So first you need to figure out how to represent a task. So there's basic stuff like task ID, description, type, goal state, priority, dependencies, resource, time estimates, task status, assigned agents, progress. And then the one that is um, new is task impetus. So this is something that you might not think of if you think about you know, your, your JIRA board or your Kanban board or your Trello board is the why. So the why is implicit in our tasks. Why am I trying to do this? But when we added this, um, ChatGPT got really excited and it's like, oh yeah, it's actually really important to record why any autonomous entity is doing a task for a number of reasons. One, to track priorities or the, 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 the impetus might be superseded later on, any number of things, but also you need to justify the use of those resources in that time. So this all goes into the representation of a task, which you can do in JSON, YAML, flat files, vector databases, whatever, I, I don't care. Like you can figure out how you wanna represent it. I'm probably just gonna do these in text files, honestly, cause that's the easiest thing for an LLM to read. Um, and then, so talking about the task representation, then we move on to the task lifecycle. Task creation, decomposition, prioritization, execution, monitoring and updating, and then finally completing the task. 
Um, and then and then you archive it and you save it for later so that you can refer back to it. Again, this is still primarily a long-term memory system for autonomous AI systems. Um, some of the folks that I work with uh, on Discord, um, and by work with, I mean just like I'm in you know the AI communities with them. Um, they all think that the Atom framework is pretty cool. Um, so then we talk about task corpus management, which is like, okay, looking at an individual task is fine, but how do you look at your entire body of tasks? Because in autonomous AI, it might have five tasks, it might have 5,000 tasks, and then you, see, you need some processes to like, okay, if we're going through these tasks, how do we manage a huge volume of tasks? And so some ideas about how to do that are here. Um, and then finally, uh, one of the last sections is some implementation guidelines, which is just, okay, this is, this is probably some things that you want to think about when you deploy uh, your implementation of the Atom framework. Um, yeah, so I think that's about it. I, I'm, obviously, I'm always working on a few different things, um, but the Atom framework and the Remo framework are, are the two biggest things that I'm working on in terms of, um, in terms of autonomous AI. And so, yeah, all this stuff is coming fast. Uh, I think that's about it. So thanks for watching. Um, like and subscribe and support me on Patreon if you'd like. Um, for anyone who does uh, jump in on Patreon, I'm happy to answer some questions for you. Even jump on video calls if you jump in at the high enough tier. Um, I help all kinds of people. I do have a few NDAs that I have to honor, um, but those are those are those are pretty narrow, and some of them are also expiring. Um, so I've had people ask, you know, for for help just with writing prompts for ChatGPT. I've had people ask um, simple things like, how did you learn what you learned? Um, all kinds of stuff. Uh, but yeah, so that's that. Thanks for watching and cheers, everybody.